You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Um, I just want to share with us this morning, and uh, as you know, we've been praying in the course of the week, dealing with the issue of deception. And you can see that it is so uh, multifaceted. <laughs> yeah? And you cannot just depend on what you know already. You cannot depend on just what you think. Because there is so much to this. It's a whole universe of deception that Satan has created. Why? Because he wants as many people as possible to go with him. To where God has ordained for him. Not for us. Not for people. But um, you see deception is, is so powerful because it is um, it is when you believe what, what you believe to be true which is not really true. And your life is ruled by what you believe. Your life is ruled by what you believe. So if you believe something strong enough, that thing has the power to control your life. Yeah, whatever you believe is what controls your life. So if you believe in Jesus then that's the person that controls your life. Okay? If you believe the truth, the truth controls your life. But if you believe a lie, the lie will control your life. So, this morning, I want to, I want to share on an aspect that I think is vital. Um, I'll just share it on a, like a basic level. Because it, it's, um, it's got to do with ministry and operating in the anointing. So, you can be deceived by the anointing. <laughs> I know it sounds like a contradiction. How is that possible? I'll show you. You can be deceived by, by your gift. Your spiritual gift. If you are not careful. Alright? So, um, and I believe that because God is going to use us mightily, we need to be informed in this area. We, we, we must not be ignorant so that we don't get deceived. Because the fact that God is using you does not mean that you are immune to deception. Does not mean God can be using you and at the same time you're deceived. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's look at this. Let's, let's start by looking at the scripture. Father, I thank you for your word, which is spirit and is life. I pray that you will give us insight, teach us by your spirit this morning. I thank you, Father, 
I give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now, now let's start by answering a question. When God gives you a gift to operate in the spirit, huh? where is that gift usually deposited? in the spirit in your spirit that's right that's right it's not a trick question he puts it in your spirit he doesn't put it in your mind okay he puts it in your spirit that's why it's called the gift of the spirit all right so he puts it in your spirit but now remember i said to you last night that you being a tripartite being, your spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. All right? Now, your spirit and your soul together forms what is known as the heart. Yeah. So your heart and then your body. Your body is your physical being. So your heart is made up of your spirit, and your soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Are you getting my point? All right. So, and your spirit is that part of you, is that part of you that is born again, is that part of you that looks like God. All right? It's that part of you where true worship comes from the spirit. There are some people whose worship is emotional and that if, if, it, if, it only, if it originates just from the emotions, it's not acceptable because the Father is seeking for true worshipers who will worship him, how? In spirit and in truth. In the Old Testament, they didn't worship in spirit. They only worshipped physically and emotionally. But then the Father has been searching until the New Testament where he has dealt with the Spirit now. And now he says, I want true worshipers who can worship me in spirit and in truth. So your spirit has the capacity to worship God. Your spirit has the capacity to carry deposits of God. Your spiritual DNA is in your spirit. Okay? Your spiritual DNA is in your spirit. And also, um, the Holy Spirit is in your spirit. All right? He has come and is living in you. All right? Although your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but actually, your spirit is living inside your body. Okay? So, if your heart comprises of your spirit and your soul, that means that um, two-thirds of you, right? Two-thirds of you is your spirit and your soul. So two-thirds of you is your heart. And that's where Satan targets for deception. 
So if he wants to deceive someone, he, he doesn't pay much attention to the physical. Yes? He wants to get into the heart. He wants to get into the heart. As a believer, the, Satan cannot get into your spirit. Because it's owned and possessed by the Holy Spirit. So he cannot get into your spirit. But guess what? He can visit your mind through thoughts. Okay? He can visit your imagination. Come on. Yeah, he can visit your imagination. <laughs> he can visit your emotions. <laughs> so he has the ability, he has access to those areas. And that's where he does a lot of his work. That's why the Bible says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Do you understand? Where are imaginations? In the mind. What is the mind? The mind is part of your heart. Are you getting me? All right. So, now let's look at Jeremiah chapter 17. You know this scripture very well. Jeremiah chapter 17 Verse 9, he says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is what? Deceitful above all things. Now, remember what we said. Your heart comprises of your spirit and your soul. Okay? Now, when Satan wants to deceive, where does he go to? To the heart. Why? Because the heart, by nature, is deceptive. It's better in the New Testament now because we have, at least, our spirit huh, has been regenerated. So we are born again. Our spirit is born again. But your soul is not yet born again. Your soul does not yet carry the seed of God. The seed of God is in your spirit. So the soul is the entry point of deception. It's the entry point of deception. And since your spiritual gift is in your spirit... But it expresses itself through your soul. So, the enemy might not be able to touch the gift. But guess what? He can position himself close enough by virtue of the soul. Okay? Then if he can manipulate it from there, although the gift comes out, every gift of God is 100% perfect. Are you getting me? It's 100% perfect. But in operation, it's not 100%. Unless you have developed it and grown and mastered it to that level. But it doesn't just, because it's God that gave that gift, does not mean that when it comes out, it's perfect. And that's why you must test it. You must judge it. To question whether or not the manifestation of that thing 
that God has originated by the Spirit has still remained pure. Are you getting my point? Now, look at this bottle of water. Even the look of it, it looks pure. Am I correct? Now, this bottle looks, this water is pure. I like this water very much. But I'm telling you something. I can take this bottle of water and if I have a glass that is not clean and I pour the water into the glass, is anything wrong with the water? Can you drink it if it's in this bottle you can drink it? But if I give it to you in that dirty glass, will you drink it? But it's pure water. It's contaminated. That's right. That's right. So that's, how, that's, that's what happens a lot of times. It's not that God is not the one working. But what God is doing has been contaminated. What God is doing has been contaminated. And then people, because they don't have the ability to discern and they don't have the tools with which to, to judge what God is doing. Huh? And when I use the word judge, you need to understand he that is spiritual judges all things. That's what I mean. So if they don't have the ability, like even when God is speaking to you, when you receive a vision, you need to be able to judge it. Because it's passing through your imagination. It's passing through your mind. Are you getting me? So, you have the capacity to corrupt that which is perfect. Am I making sense? So that's why it's important in this day and age where deception is rampant, you shouldn't assume that because God has anointed you, that everything you do <laughs> is approved. So what does that mean? We have to be careful. We have to be humble. Amen? Even when God is speaking to you, you need to be careful that you interpret what he's saying accurately. If God is showing you something, he's showing you a vision... You are seeing something. You better, you better be sure that you are interpreting it accurately. Because I found out that, I mean, I, I, I've seen people that have gotten into, I've made certain decisions, not because God didn't speak, but because they didn't understand what God said. And they acted presumptuously. And why is that? Because the heart deceived them. So the heart distorts the message of God. Then by virtue of that, they make the wrong decision. They take the wrong step. Is it making sense? 
We'll get there. She's asking, how do we test it? I'll show you. Glory to God. So, let's look at an example in the Bible. The great prophet in Scripture, Moses. <laughs> How many people love Moses? Moses is one of my heroes. We're actually spiritually related. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Look at Numbers chapter 20. In Numbers chapter 20, um, verse 2, it says, Now there was no water for the congregation, so the people gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us up? Um, brought up the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we and our animals should die here. And uh, let's keep down to verse 6. Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And they fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals." Notice, this is the second time this is happening. The first time, God told him, strike the rock. Alright? Now, it's happening again. And God is saying to, he's saying to Moses. He gives him very specific instruction. Look at, speak to the rock before their eyes. Not in secret, before their eyes. Every instruction of God is specific and is for a reason. Alright? Speak. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Now when you read the book of Corinthians, Paul tells us that the rock actually followed them. So this rock was actually following them. Wherever they went. And the, Paul tells us that that rock was Christ. Okay? So that rock was Christ. So God says, the first time God says, strike the rock. And then water comes up. Now it's happening again. They go before God on their faces. They are weeping. They don't know what to do. Lord, what do we do about these people? Then God appears and speaks to Moses and gives him this instruction. Which sounds very similar to the last one, except that this time around, it's supposed to speak to the rock. Huh? So, God says to him, you need 
to take the rod in your hand as you speak. The first time you take the rod and strike. Now he says, take the rod and speak. Okay? Then look, let's read on. Um, then Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Did God tell him that? Did God tell him to say that? He says, must we? Who? Huh? Who? <laughs> you see, he received a pure instruction. But his heart distorted the instruction. Can you see? He's, he received, it was, I mean, this is, God came physically and talks to him. And yet, he distorts it. How is that possible? The heart is deceitful. The heart is deceitful. Huh? Okay, let's read on. Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock. Bah! Ah! Whoo! And what happened? Water came out how? Abundantly. And the congregation and their animals drank. Now question. Did Moses obey God? Did he get results? You see how the anointing can deceive? Are you getting my point? So many people think because they are getting results. But God is approving them. <laughs> That's how the anointing can deceive you. Because you get results. Why? Because of the people. God, God still had a heart for the people. It wasn't because of Moses. Are you getting my point? It was not because of Moses. The water still came out. But then, look at what God says. Next verse. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Because you did not believe me. <laughs> now, where is unbelief coming into this now? Huh? He said, because you did not believe me. Question, where is unbelief? What part of you has unbelief? Your soul, your heart. Huh? Whoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and shall not doubt where? In his heart. So, unbelief 
that was in his heart. Although he got results. Am I complicating something simple? Or am I simplifying something? <laughs> okay. All right. So he says, you did not believe me. You, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Remember the instruction was, speak before their eyes. It was for a reason. Now he says, you did not believe me. To hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Moses, you are disqualified. Your ministry is over. Your ministry is not going to be fulfilled. It's going to be cut short because of this thing you've done. Shoo. But the people are happy drinking water. They're enjoying the water. Their animals are drinking water. Everybody is happy with water. They're celebrating. They are all happy. Except Moses. Except Moses. They probably are even calling, hailing Moses. And declaring how great he is. How he brought water. Because remember, he says, must we. Must we bring water? You rebels, must... Now, who is the rebel here? It's Moses. It's Moses. But he's anointed. He's a prophet. A prophet. Huh? The only prophet, the only prophet that was able to tell us how God made the earth. Even though he was not there. The prophet that told us Abraham's story, although he was not there. The prophet that told us about Jacob, about Isaac, about Joseph, even though he was not there. Details. That's to tell how accurate he was. But yet... God will not say, oh, because Moses, we've had the kind of relationship, you know, I see you, you see me face to face and all of that, then now. No, 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 no. God is saying, you've broken something. This is going to cost you. And we know later on, Moses tried to negotiate with God. And God says, don't ever raise this matter again. It's, it's sealed. Why? Why? If the rock that followed them was Jesus, according to Paul, and he struck Jesus the first time, striking him the second time meant that he crucified Jesus twice. And you cannot. Nobody can crucify Jesus twice. One time is enough. So, where was the unbelief in Moses? The unbelief was in this. Remember when God called him. When God called him by the burning bush. What was his greatest challenge? Speech. Speaking. So speaking was not his comfort zone. What was his comfort? 
the rod. Are you getting my point? That was the rod. He's comfortable with the rod. He did exploits in Egypt. Sank a whole nation with that rod. Huh? And now he's here. He's, he's used to using the rod. Now God has changed the instruction, but his heart misinterprets that information. Because his heart deceives him. That's why you must always pray for your heart that you don't get deceived. That your heart does not deceive you. I have seen people that I preach a message and they interpret it in a way that shocks me. And I'm like, what? That's not what I said. But they've gone a different direction because of what I preached. So how did they miss it? The heart. You get my point? Yeah. So Moses did not believe when God says, because you did not believe me. In other words, he believed more in the rod. That's why he used it. God said, just speak. In the area of speaking, he was insecure. He was more secure with the rod than with speech. So he didn't speak. And then it cost him the promised land. What am I trying to say? Although he was disobedient to God, he still got results. So the anointing can still produce results. I have seen that many times. I remember years ago, the Lord visited Pastor Sam. The Lord visited him and told him, mention somebody, a minister, a top minister, uh, a top minister, and he says to him, this is the judgment of this person and all those that follow him if he does not repent. And the Lord began to declare the judgment. Mentioned a few, some other ministers, but that particular minister, his name, God didn't say, he didn't like code it. He didn't say judgment of ministers. No, no, no. This person, this is his judgment. This one, this is his judgment. And all those that follow him. <laughs> I thought, what have those people done now? But that's how God works. So what happens? Pastor Sam goes to this man. Because he had a relationship with this guy. So he goes to this guy to say, look, I was visited by the Lord. Okay? I was visited by the Lord and the Lord said some things to me about you. And because he honors this man, he took some fat offering <laughs> and said, I don't dishonor you. This, this gift, this offering is a sign, is a token of my honor for you. So he gave it to the guy. But then he says, but although I honor you, this is what the Lord said. And you know what? At that time, this guy's ministry was exploding like crazy. They couldn't contain the crowds. They just couldn't. <laughs> they expand and they expand and they expand and they expand and they're just coming. They're just coming from everywhere. So he now turns to Pastor Sam. He takes the money and then he says... If God is not with us, look at all these exploits. 
Look at what he's doing. It's just mind-blowing. Incredible results. That's how you can be deceived by the anointing. God visited him. It wasn't like he heard something. Jesus came to him. Do you understand? And said, this man is under judgment. If he doesn't repent. <laughs> and the man says, no. It can't be. Why? We're having results. That, Moses could have said that. God, what do you mean? No way. Look, the water came out. If the water came out, how can you say? <laughs> how can you say that we've, we've missed you? The results prove it. <laughs> like they say in Nigeria, you can't argue with results. <laughs> Hello? It is going to be serious on the judgment day when some people come with their results. And then he says, I never knew you. Yeah, I mean, of course, you got results. But as for you and I, nothing. <laughs> so, we want to get to a point, we, we never want to get to a point where, because God is using us, we think we're okay. The more God uses you, the more careful you have to be. The more careful you have to be, I'm telling you. You have to search yourself all the time. Keep checking. Don't assume. Oh, huh? you raised the dead yesterday. Today, God can turn and say, "Hey, we're not together in this," and you'll be surprised. But that's how. Um, that's how it works. Amen. That's one example. Even Paul says, I discipline my body. Huh? I think it's 1 Corinthians 9. Look, let's look at that. 1 Corinthians. I bring my body under subjection. Is it chapter 9? Yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 27 says, But I discipline my body. Alright? And I bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become what? disqualified. Can you imagine that? This is Apostle Paul talking. This guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This guy was in the third heavens. This guy wrote, gave us the revelation of the church. This guy revealed to us the mystery of marriage. This guy had it. So much he gave us the mystery of, 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 of faith, the mystery of the gospel. Look at the mysteries that he unveiled. But then he says, I discipline my body, my flesh. Okay? So maybe he has mastered his soul. Now he's trying to master his body. 
Do you understand me? So if you are going to walk with God, it doesn't matter how anointed you are. If you allow your body to control you, you can be disqualified even after God uses you. You can, I'm telling you. There are many preachers in hell. And may you not be one of them. Hallelujah. So, he has to discipline his body and bring it into subjugation. Let's read this in the Amplified. How does the Amplified put it? He says, but like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, <laughs> and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should not become unfit, not stand the test to be approved and rejected as a counterfeit. Can you see that? So the fact that you're anointed... It doesn't really matter how anointed you are. You must be disciplined. You must walk in the fruit of the Spirit. You must walk in love. Hallelujah. You must walk in love. So that God will um, receive you. You want him on that day to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that? Yes, that's what I want to hear. And that's why a lot of times I keep praying for myself. Lord, help me. You can't reveal all these things to me from your word. And then I, I, and I, and I found myself somewhere else. I don't want to. I don't want to. So what do I do on a daily basis? I keep checking myself. Hallelujah. Why? We don't want to be deceived. Okay? I have seen people that are so blessed that they think that everything is okay. Meanwhile, things are falling apart. Hmm? Glory to God. Now, how do you test? How do you test and ensure that your anointing is not being corrupted? One of the fastest ways to corrupt your anointing is with pride. What did I say? Pride. Yeah. Pride is number one. In fact, pride is the mother of all sin. Isn't it? Yeah. So, first thing is, when God is using you, there is a tendency for you to feel. Yeah, I'm better. I'm better than my peers. I'm better than this person. I'm better than that person. The moment you start thinking like that, huh? pride comes in. So how can Moses, after God gave him a clear instruction, come now and start shouting at these people and calling them rebels and saying how we are going to bring water? Can you see how he has now equated himself with God? That's pride. Are you getting my point? 
Yeah. So first thing, whatever it is you see, whatever it is you receive, whatever it is you hear, whatever encounter you have, first thing you need to do is to humble yourself. I'm not worthy. Oh, I'm just a mere mortal. I'm just a mere mortal that you have chosen. Who am I? <laughs> that you would anoint me like this. So the first thing you need to do is to deal with that tendency for pride. I see that a lot, especially with young people that God is using. Because the thing about the gifts is that you don't need to be mature to be gifted. You can get born again now, boom, and all of a sudden, things begin to operate in your life. And then, you think that because you're operating like that, you're better. <laughs> I have friends that got shipwrecked because of that. I have a friend, I remember those days, my 20s. This guy was anointed like crazy. My goodness. When this guy comes, once there's worship, he says to us, he starts feeling fire in his hand. Okay, this fire burns. And when he lifts his hand like that, manifestations begin. This guy was called to be an evangelist. And recently I was talking to him and I was just like, my heart was bleeding as I was talking to him. Why? Because we were going out, we were reaching out, going to schools. We were reaching out to young people like us. And we would gather them. And, we'll, and because we saw the gift of God in him, he would now, and he was a, a bit older than us, so he would stand. My goodness. This guy, there was a glow around him. There was, there was, there was a kind of glory. That many pastors that we knew didn't carry that. But this guy carried it. We would stand at the bus stop and you see people. He would see the people and you just see him weeping. And you say, what's wrong with you? Why are you weeping? He says, can't you see they don't know Jesus? I, I mean, I've never seen such passion for souls. He would just stand like that and be weeping. Tears just... He said, who is going to talk to them? Let's go and talk to them. And so even we that didn't feel like evangelizing, we started feeling guilty. Because if you are around him, you will feel bad that you are not talking to people about Jesus. And he was on fire. Fire. We had a fellowship. It was called Live Wire Fellowship. Live Wire. <laughs> you know, electric wire. Why? Because it was raw. But you know what? Today, I don't know. I can't explain. But I know at some point pride came in. So he would start looking. He says, look at all these pastors. You know, They don't have this. They don't have that. They're not even anointed. They don't even have the anointing. Oh, you that have the anointing. So, guess what? He went down. Huh? The next thing, he started getting involved in all kinds of things. And he lost his anointing. He lost it completely. 
now he's trying to come back. I know God is a restorer and God will restore him if he's really, you know. But years have gone. Years have gone. I'm talking about from the 80s. He still can't find his bearing up till now. What is happening? The anointing deceived him. So you go mess up. Then after that stand and preach and things happen. And you think it's okay. Hmm? God moves because of the people. Not because of you. Hallelujah. Now, if you are anointed, if God is going to use you, one of the scriptures you need to walk closely with is 1 Corinthians 13. And you can use this to judge yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at that. Verse 4 says, Love suffers long and is kind. If the anointing makes you unkind, <laughs> if you are anointed to a point where you find it hard to be kind, something is wrong. Okay? Because love is the greatest. Okay? Love does not envy. You have to make sure there's no envy in you. Because, you know, it, has, it got to a point that people will look at other people and they say, this guy is trying to say he's more anointed than me and I have to prove that I'm more anointed than him. <laughs> Envious of that person, maybe God is using that person and all of that. No. Love does not parade itself. If you now have to project, parade yourself. In fact, let's read it in the Amplified. Amplified brings it out very well. Look at what it says. Love endures long and is patient and kind. So in other words, you cannot be too anointed to endure. Mom? Huh? We're talking about how you test. You use love to test. Okay? Love is the test, the true test. Of spiritual maturity. Not gift. Not gift. Love. Okay? Love never is envious. Nor boils over with jealousy. You see. You have to make sure there is no jealousy in your life. At all. No matter what happens. Don't ever be jealous of anybody. It's not good for you. It will corrupt your anointing. I'm telling you, it will corrupt your anointing. Okay? Okay, it's not boastful. Huh? Be careful. Don't be boastful. Hmm? Don't. No matter how God uses you. I'm not saying you shouldn't share testimonies. You can testify and all of that. But it's, it's not to prove to others that you are better than them. Do you get my point? Once you, come, once you bring that in, like Moses, yeah, of course he was higher than them. There's no, no doubt about that. But he must not compare himself. Anytime comparison comes in, pride has been introduced. Okay? 
No vainglorious does not display itself haughtily, okay? Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it's not provoked, thinks no evil. These are things that can corrupt your anointing. So you make sure you, 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 those things are not in your heart. Satan, if he sees you anointed, I'm telling you, he will try to bring one of these things. Because he knows that if he can mix it with your anointing, that's it. It's corrupt. So you can be operating and operating. You have no blessing for it. You have no reward for it. Because it has been corrupted. You see. So Moses didn't have any reward for bringing water out. <laughs> for giving the people water. He didn't get any reward for that. Why? It was corrupted. It was corrupted. All right. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it's not provoked, thinks no evil. Yes, come on. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. In other words, when people's iniquity is exposed, how do you respond? They say, good for her. Huh? Good for him. No, 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 no. That's not love. That can corrupt your anointing. So when another person's iniquity is exposed, what should you do? Go to God in prayer. God, please. <laughs> I hope I'm all right. <laughs> Not good, good. I've been telling people before. Now the whole world knows who you are. Huh? What kind of spirit is that? Hey. But rejoices in the truth. So when the truth is made manifest, you rejoice in that. But you never rejoice in iniquity. Yes? Okay. Bears all things. So you can't just say, I cannot bear you anymore. You're out of love. So what kind of anointing is that? <laughs> Faith works by love. <laughs> Are you getting my point? Yeah. Believes all things. All right? Another translation says believes the best of all. So you choose to believe the best about people. Glory to God. That's going to help your anointing. Hopes all things. In other words, you never lose hope in people. This person is rebellious, but don't lose hope. Continue to love them. Continue to pray for them. Continue to reach out to them. Amen? Endures all things. Come on, look at He says, love never fails. Whether they be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Can you see that? So the time is going to come that we will need prophecy. The reason why we need prophecy today is because the church is still immature. We can get to a point where prophecies are not needed anymore. Glory to God. When Jesus comes, who is going to be prophesying? There won't be any need for prophecy. Jesus has come, right? 
When Jesus comes, you won't be speaking in tongues. When you get to heaven, what, what are you speaking tongues for? <laughs> There's no need for tongues. Are you getting my point? Yeah. So, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. What kind of knowledge? Earthly knowledge. Okay. Obviously, divine knowledge will not vanish. Amen? So, make sure that your anointing does not deceive you. Make sure that if you are receiving a vision from God, that it is not distorted. So what you do, oftentimes, I've told people, it's even easier to walk with God when you hear. If you see, if you see a lot, you don't hear, you only see, there's a tendency for you to misinterpret what you see. So what happens when you see, you need to now seek to understand. Hello? Okay. Seek to understand. When, when you see a vision, say, Lord, what does this mean? Even when you think you understand, ask him. Why would God ask Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah, of course he can see that Jeremiah is saying. But he wants to hear what Jeremiah will say. Huh? Because Jeremiah can now look at that almond tree and describe the ground. That the almond tree is standing on. Do you get my point? Yeah. He could, he could, he could look and see and describe what is behind the tree. And, but, and it will be accurate that he saw. But he missed the almond tree. <laughs> okay? So when God says, what do you see? Jeremiah says, I see an almond tree. He says, you've seen well. You have seen well. There are other things, but they are not relevant to the message that I have for you. Are you getting my point? So when you see something, you go to God. God, what is the meaning of this? I'm seeing this and this and this. Help me to understand. All right? That way you'll be preserved from error. Because there are times that the devil can also show visions. Do you know that the devil shows visions? Yeah. I mean, Sangoma see visions. Some of them see visions like crazy. Before you know it, they've seen something. So, is that God? No. But they are seen. So, the fact that you see does not mean you shouldn't judge what you see. It doesn't mean you shouldn't pray about what you see. So, when you see, there are, time, there are things that I've seen that I just knew. This is the enemy trying to mislead me. Do you understand? It's so clear. It's vivid. It's sharp. Razor sharp. <laughs> but it's error. It's setting, trying to set me on the path of deception and destruction. But when I discern that, I say, ah, this is what you're trying to do. I cancel it in the name of Jesus. So whatever you see, you need to pray about. Glory to God. Time is gone. Let's stop there. I hope I've helped you this morning. Glory, glory, glory. The anointing will not deceive you. Do not deceive you. Father, I declare that nobody, none of us, 
will be deceived by the anointing. We'll not be deceived because we are being used. We'll not be deceived because we are anointed. We'll not be deceived, oh God, into, into assuming that results and evidence of your endorsement. Mighty God, give us wisdom. Give us grace. Help us this morning. And for the rest of our lives, Lord, keep us from deception. In whatever form, in whatever form, thank you, Father. I give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.